0: Good morning and welcome to Faithfully Memphis. This is Bishop Phoebe Roth of the Episcopal Diocese of West Tennessee coming to you live from Crosstown Concourse. And you can hear us on 91.7 FM WY. XR. Each week we have the opportunity to talk to a person in the community or even beyond to learn a little bit about um, what they're doing and the role of faith in their life. So the first segment of the show is always the feast of the day, a time when we have the chance to share something about our liturgical calendar as Episcopalians. But sometimes there are major feasts Um, That uh, we want to cover instead of a particular saint. And today, I want to let you know about a feast that will be celebrated by most Christian denominations tomorrow, which is the Feast of the Transfiguration. So the Feast of the Transfiguration of Jesus is described in the Synoptic Gospels. So that would be the Gospel of Matthew, Luke, and Mark. And um, as the story goes, Uh, Jesus invited three of the disciples, Peter, James, and John, to go up on a mountaintop with him, and it was more than just them going apart to be quiet and be at prayer, but it was actually an event where God authenticated Jesus as his son. Uh, So this feast is sort of at the same level of the appearance of the angels at Jesus's birth and his resurrection, which were also occasions where Jesus was publicly identified as God's son, uh, and also the descent of the Holy Spirit when Jesus was baptized. That was another opportunity when people could actually hear the voice of God saying, "'This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased.'" So, um, those three disciples, um, Peter, James, and John, kind of had an opportunity to see behind the veil. Maybe it makes me think of the Wizard of Oz, right? Although I don't mean to make light of sort of Jesus's manifestation, but they really saw behind that veil. and Moses and Elijah were also present, representing the law and the prophets. And we know that Jesus, as a Jewish rabbi, was very much in the line of succession of um, individuals God sent uh, to lead God's people into righteousness. But of course, in Jesus's case, he was the one who was able to bridge that gap between God and all of creation, sort of the mediator, the advocate, the one who has allowed us to be with God forever after we transition uh, from this side of the grave. Um, And so when the three men are on the mountain with Jesus, uh, they also see this cloud and uh, hear God's voice and then see the two prophets. Um, And you might think that with such a mountaintop experience as that, it would all be about the highs of it. But in Luke's gospel, we also hear that that is the moment when Jesus tells Peter, James, and John, my death is imminent, right? We've had this mountaintop experience, but we're not just going back down to normal. You know, we're gonna head to Jerusalem and I'm gonna set my face toward Jerusalem and I am gonna die. And I find it hard to imagine um, the juxtaposition of emotions that those three disciples must have felt from their exhilaration at having yet another confirmation that yes, Jesus is God, and then the sober acknowledgement that their beloved rabbi and teacher um, and savior is going to have to die. So in Christian uh, traditions that observe the Feast of the Transfiguration, it's really, again, sort of this pivotal point where Jesus acts as the bridge, as it were, between Um, God and heaven and all of creation. And so on Friday, tomorrow, we will be celebrating that feast. So this morning we have with us Dr. Chris Cooper. He is the coordinator for the Master Gardener program in Shelby County and horticulture agent for UT Shelby County Extension Service. So in that capacity, uh, he coordinates and leads all sorts of educational programs addressing issues that affect urban, commercial, and home horticulture. Um, Dr. Cooper and I have a a common link to Louisiana. He got his BS from Southern uh, University in Baton Rouge, and I lived in New Orleans for 13 years. So I was in Baton Rouge pretty frequently when I was there uh, and also has a master's and a Ph.D. from Alabama A&M University in Huntsville. He writes a monthly blog on the Memphis area Master Gardener's website and also is the host of his own show, uh, The Family Plot, Gardening in the Mid-South, which airs on WKNO. So Dr. Cooper, (laughs) welcome to Faithfully
1: Memphis. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to be
0: here. Excellent. So can you tell us a little bit about your background and where you grew up and whether or not um, faith was a part of your early life? Okay. Uh, so let's start here. Uh, again, uh, Chris Cooper. I'm actually
1: born and raised in Jackson, Mississippi. Mm. My grandfather on my mom's side was a sharecropper, a mm-hmm. uh, little small country town uh, called Kewanee, Mississippi. He grew sugar cane, cotton, and corn.
0: Mm. Uh, he
1: had cows, mews. Uh, we had pigs, hogs. And every summer I would go there and just spend the summer with him, Mm -hmm. uh, follow him throughout the field. And I was always interested in how you can get one kernel of corn, put it in the ground, and then it grows to about five or six feet tall and produces ears of corn. Yeah. Uh, So that's where the first taste of gardening came in for me. Mm -hmm. I would spend a lot of time there, of course, and we would just run through the woods and I at that time, appreciated the beauty, you know, of the Mm -hmm. land. Uh, And and so I guess sort of kind of like a closeness to God, if you will. It's like, wow, this is nice. The air is fresh. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's lush with green foliage. So... That's a little bit of my background, Mm -hmm. how I kind of got started, I think, you know, in gardening. Now, once upon a time, I guess I wanted to be an astronaut, you know, I wanted to be, you know, a big sports figure. Um, But, yes, something kept drawing me back, you know, to the to the earth, you Mm -hmm. know, to the land, because to me, that's where it all starts. Uh, Mm -hmm. You put a seed in the ground, beauty, you Mm know, uh, growth. Um, So that's pretty much where Mm -hmm. it started for me. And, of course, throughout, you know, um, going to, you know, school, Mm -hmm. uh, elementary school, high school, junior high school um again just kind of drawn to you know the soil I actually got to college there at Southern University Mm -hmm. believe it or not I went to Southern University on a piano scholarship oh
0: my gosh so you're a
1: musician as well my father is a retired music professor so I actually uh, played the piano you know pretty much you know from you know maybe eight years old all the way up through college yeah Uh, so end up going there on a piano scholarship and I had a homeboy here from Mississippi Uh, Mark was his name, and he was like, hey, he was an ag major. He's like, Mm -hmm. you should try one of these ag classes. And I was like, hmm, you know what, maybe I should. So Mm -hmm. I talked to my advisor. I was like, can I take a couple of ag classes, intro to agriculture, soil science, Uh, And she uh, let me do that, Mm -hmm. and the rest is history. So I became an ag major and a piano minor. Wow. Uh, Much to my mom's chagrin at that time, (laughs) uh, as you can well imagine. She's like, so you're going to school to be an educated farmer. Could you explain that to me?
0: Uh, So, yeah, now I will tell the rest is history, mom. Yeah, (laughs) of course. Wow, what a beautiful story. Now, um, I have been told... That garden, from people who are gardeners, and I'm not one, unfortunately, oh, okay, okay. but that gardening in and of itself can be a spiritual exercise. And so I wonder, um, over the years, starting as a child, but now that this is actually your vocation, mm-hmm. has this journey with creation, how has that affected your faith, your relationship with the Lord? What have you learned about God? From gardening.
1: Wow, that's such a good question. I've learned a lot about God, uh, about gardening through gardening. Because gardening to me is serenity. It's mm. peaceful. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's good for the soul. It's good to get your hands in that soil. Um again putting that seed in the ground, again we're talking about tiny seeds, right? You put it in the ground good soil, right? That's what we got to talk yes. about. Good soil. Yes. Um that soil provides the nutrients, you know, for that seed uh to you know kickstart itself to start to grow. Um, So from there, I think about we're in the pruning season, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm getting a lot of calls about pruning, you know, your fruit trees and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I think about, you know, the verse where he says, um, you know, what I'm the vine, he's the gardener. Right. right? And so we, you know, we talk a lot about, okay, so we're going to prune those branches that are not producing anything. And then we're also going to prune those branches that are producing fruit so they can be more fruitful, hmm. right? So I always think about, you know, little verses like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think about, you know, sowing seeds. Make sure you sow the seeds on good soil and good soil. soil. Or in good soil. Yeah. Uh, make sure they're not choked out by weeds or mm-hmm. being trampled on or make sure that they get, um, you know, good soil contact so they can mm-hmm. grow. You don't want the birds to get them or you don't want to trample them or things like right. that. So, yeah, i reference a lot of things uh, about gardening, uh, to some of the things that I've learned in Bible study and yeah. you know, church and things like that. Yeah. right.
0: You know, when, also when I think about gardening, in addition to serenity, um, I think of two things. One, there is hard work involved. <sighs> yeah. And um, our relationship with the Lord also demands that we show up. Right. There's work that we have to do. God does the bulk of it. But if we aren't open and available and willing to set the time aside, it's not going to happen. And yes, the other thing right. is that we don't control it, right? As much as you know about the, I don't know, the (laughs) acidity, I don't even know the term to use about soil, right? right? Whether the soil is good, even with the right soil, the right light, the right temperature, the right amount of water, ultimately when you put that seed in the ground, It's out of your control.
1: It is out of your control. You're exactly right. And And the term you're looking for is is soil pH. Oh,
0: okay. Soil Soil pH. pH. Thank you. And so the same thing is true in our relationship with God, right? We don't control God. We don't set God's time frame. And so I think sometimes (laughs) in my own faith journey, I have been frustrated because God's timing was not my timing. But in the end, right, it always turns out right. Now, I would imagine that sometimes with gardening, though, you know, you do have bad harvest. So what happens? How do you process having a bad harvest? You put in all this work, but yet you don't really see it coming to fruition in the way you had anticipated
1: Well, to me is, you know, it's just one of those life lessons. I mean, you've done all that you could do. Mm -hmm. Uh, You put it in the ground, right? The rest is up, you know, to, uh, you know, to God for the most part. Uh, If it doesn't work out, if you don't get those tomatoes that you're looking for, those cucumbers or whatever uh, it it is that you want to put in the ground. Hey, I just look at it as a lesson. Yeah. Okay. We'll go back. We'll write down, okay, in my garden journal, look, this didn't work right this year. Mm. Could it be environmental factors? Could it be insect pests? Could it be diseases? We'll chalk it up to one of those and we'll say, "Okay, God, we'll try it again next year. So Hmm. this is the way I look at it. When I put my seeds in the ground or my transplants in the ground in my own garden, I usually put them in there. And this is what I say. All right, God, the rest is up to you. I'm (laughs) going. So, babies. I hope you all make it. You know, (laughs) I hope
0: you make it. (laughs) So you mentioned um, a gardening journal. Is that part of gardening that you record the different elements as to when you plant the seeds? Oh, yes, ma'am. I always tell people that when you're gardening, it's always good to have
1: a garden journal. Mm -hmm. Uh, And some of those things that you would put in the garden journal would be, okay, when did I put the seeds in the ground? Mm -hmm. When did I put the transplants in the ground? What about soil pH? What about Mm -hmm. environmental conditions? Uh, We've had a cool start to the year, cool Mm -hmm. and wet. Did you write that down? Mm -hmm. Uh, What about insect pressure? What about disease pressure? Mm -hmm. Okay. So those are the kind of things that I want gardeners to write down in their garden journal. Okay. Was it successful? Did you have yeah. a successful harvest planting? Mm-hmm. Those are the things that I want you to write. Down. OK, because that's sure.
0: interesting, because journaling is also a spiritual practice, a spiritual discipline. That's right. So people can have journals where they uh, write the things that they're grateful for mm-hmm. or if they are praying for people with particular health sure. issues or whatever. So it's interesting that in both disciplines, journaling is a practice. It's a practice. Yeah,
1: it is a practice.
0: So I am not a gardener, even though both of my grandmothers (laughs) had amazing gardens. My mother's mother was fabulous with all sorts of flowers and blooming plants. And my father's mother, similar to your grandfather, um, they did work as sharecroppers at one point in their life, and she always had a small garden Mm -hmm. right next to her house. Mm -hmm. Uh, They were poor, and so part Mm -hmm. of the reason was really practical. If you don't have the money to go to the grocery store, you buy a lot of the fresh fruits and vegetables that you need to feed your family. But um, what is a master gardener? (laughs) What do you have to do to get that master in front of your name master gardener
1: we i get that question all the time here's the thing about the master gardener program if you're interested in plants yes if you have a passion a love for plants and you're willing to share that knowledge with other then you too can become a master gardener okay. that's simply what it is okay Just a love for plants a passion for plants and your willingness to share that information with others You become a master gardener.
0: Got it. So what does that program entail? If any of our listeners would be interested in becoming a master gardener, what would they have to do? Okay. So again, if you have a love, a passion
1: for plants and you're willing to volunteer that knowledge to others, it's a 15 week course. Okay. Uh, We usually start in January, Uh, 15 weeks. We go to the middle of March, Mm -hmm. one day a week for three hours. You're going to learn all about horticulture. Okay. Okay? So it's going to be surface level horticulture. Uh, intro to plant science, soil science. Uh, we have field trips to the Memphis Botanic Garden, to the mm-hmm. Dixon Garden, to Ligtum Nature Center. Uh, we talk about trees. We talk about turf. We talk about weeds. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talk about etymology and pathology. So, again, we're introducing you to the horticultural world. Mm-hmm. So, in return, you're going to give back to us volunteer hours. Okay. Right. So, there's 20 hours that you have to volunteer in the community. 20 hours you have to volunteer for the extension service. Those are 40 service hours mm-hmm. and then there are eight additional CEUs. So that's where you're going out and you're listening to talks about horticulture, talks about mm. gardening. So once you you know, go through those 15 weeks, you get those volunteer hours, you become certified. There is a graduation. Believe oh. it or not, we have a graduation ceremony. And, I, and I've had people in the past to tell me they've had more fun at our Master Gardener graduations oh. than they did when they got their BS <laughs> and master's degrees. So think about that for a wow. second. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, they become certified. And then, yes, every year they just have to recertify. Got it. Uh, so many hours. And, yeah. Wow. You have to be a life learner. That's what I tell folks. Mm-hmm. I've. I've done a lot of school. Yes. (laughs) And I still have a lot to learn. Yeah. Uh, So I'm a life learner. I want master gardeners to be life learners because at the end of the day, they're an extension of who I am. Mm -hmm. I'm only one horticulture extension agent here in Shelby County, which is a large county. Mm -hmm. So we train, you know, the public folks who are interested Mm -hmm. in gardening to go out and be an extension of who I am. Got it. Right. Because I can't be everywhere. Right. right? So we're training you so you can go out and do those programs and talk about gardening.
0: Wow. Sure. So during COVID, you know, so Uh, much of our life was just turned upside down. But I would imagine that a lot of those uh, weekly sessions were outside. So did you all have to cancel your master gardening program last year or were you able to do it in the midst of COVID?
1: So this is what we did last year. We started off right in person.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Uh, and all the classes are there at the Agri Center
0: mm-hmm. in June
1: when the world was about to shut down. We had to pivot. Right. So guess what? Zoom is uh, what we use. So welcome to the Zoom world, yeah. folks, partners. So yeah, we <laughs> took it to the Zoom platform, and we pretty much figured uh, um, we figured out we had only like four or five more classes to mm-hmm. go. So we just finished those up via Zoom. Mm. Right. Uh, this year was interesting. This year we had our first virtual master gardener class because we had to do it all zoom this year wow so we were able to do that and then we actually went out uh, a couple of times Mm -hmm. to the gardens because it was outdoor settings Mm -hmm. uh to finish up that course but yeah it was definitely interesting yeah we had to make that pivot to zoom we had to get people trained how to use zoom Mm -hmm. uh and then we were able to go out you know to a couple of the gardens i think we went to memphis botanic garden to the Dixon uh Lichterman Nature Center mm-hmm. uh, and then to Carville Victory Garden. So just to get outside. Right. Uh, so we can see each other. Right. Because you know, I'm just looking at you through a screen. Yeah. And once we got out into the field, of course, we had the face mask. So, yeah, we can see that you're happy <laughs> yeah. and excited, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, we were able to pivot and just take it to Zoom and then able again to go outside. Got it. Right.
0: So what do you do for Shelby County in addition to sort of coordinating these Master Gardener classes? Are there other things? I mean, from the standpoint of the, the county government, mm. How does the county government take care of all this green space?
1: All right. So the county government, of course, have, you know, maintenance crews that actually go out, landscape crews, if you will, that would go out and take care of the land, Mm -hmm. Uh, the lawns, the trees, the shrubs and things like that. So we actually provide programs for those men and women who actually take care of the landscape. Uh, here in Southern County. Okay. Uh, just like today, we actually have a lunch and learn program at 12 o'clock at our office where we're going to be talking about lung diseases and the public is invited to come it's, you know, it's free mm-hmm. uh, to the public. So yeah, we provide lunch and learn programs. We do insect disease workshops. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do a turf plot demonstration. So yeah, we have a lot of programs that we do for commercial uh, landscapers and homeowners. Okay. Um, so that it's they, they come to our office. Uh, we'd be happy, you know, to, uh, you know, do these programs for them.
0: So is there a website or a place that people could go to, to sort of learn more about the programs that you offer?
1: Yes, it is. So that website is shelby.tennessee.edu. Okay. So again, shelby.tennessee.edu. Uh, there's a calendar of events. Uh, there's, uh, about us where you can see the staff, uh, that's, here at the Shelby County extension office. Uh, so that's, that's a lot of, you know, good information on our website. Of course, social media, Yeah, uh, we're on Facebook. Yes. It's a uh, UT and TSU extension mm-hmm. Shelby County. Uh, so you can go to that Facebook page. We're also on Instagram, but all of the information is on our website. Okay.
0: Sure. Now, are there any areas of anything having to do with tending to the land or the soil in particular, that you would like the public to be aware of or that you would really like to get more public engagement in any aspect of your programs?
1: Okay, so this is important to me, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if the pandemic taught me anything here in Shelby County, there are a lot of areas within our county that are food deserts.
0: Yes. Okay.
1: Um, I've been sitting on the news a lot lately, uh, I've been out to several of the communities. Mm-hmm. The Fraser community is one. We're actually going to start a community garden there. Mm-hmm. Uh, people don't have access to good fresh food. Yeah. And I didn't realize that before the pandemic, you know, really set in uh, our church. I go to new direction. Christian oh, church. yes. Dr. Uh, Stacy Spencer. Yes. yes. yes Dr. Stacey Spencer. And I remember it was Easter and they had a food drive. Uh, so I participated because we were off that day and i'm going to tell you i was amazed at the number of people who drove up on the lot to get food yeah fresh food and it just done on me. It's like oh my gosh you know people don't have access mm-hmm. to fresh food mm-hmm. so teaching folks how to garden how to produce their own fruits and vegetables uh, has become important to me now mm-hmm. uh, and again i can you know if you can thank the pandemic for anything if you will yeah uh, that's something that you know i just want to be able to communicate you know, mm-hmm. to the public, help them uh, to understand, hey, there are ways that you can get you know, fresh food, fresh product uh, you know, out of your own garden. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it really shined a light on that to me. The fact yeah. again that we have these food deserts that people don't have fresh food to eat, yeah. uh, I think is a huge issue. And of course COVID has shined a light yeah. on an issue.
0: Yeah, I think definitely, mm. uh, I know how much I take for granted. Yes. I work full time. Mm. You know, the diocese pays me a good salary. <laughs> so whenever I want food, yes. I can go to Kroger right. or Fresh Market or Whole Foods. And many people in our community cannot. They cannot. They they cannot. cannot. And like I
1: said, one more thing about that. We have a demonstration garden out in Collierville. It's called the Collierville Victory Garden. Okay. And we actually, of course, you know, plant a lot of, you know, vegetables and mm-hmm. such, uh, trowel gardens and things like that. We're trialing new vegetables. And we actually give away that the produce, that harvest okay. uh, to the food bank there in Collierville, to the resurrection, resurrection schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I think to uh, you know a couple of other places. And we actually got a letter back uh, from, uh, I think, one of the uh, resurrection schools, uh, maybe churches. Uh, and it said, thank you for your produce. Right. Uh, your produce, your produce helped to feed 50 families. Wow. And, you know, I'm sitting there reading that thinking to myself. Oh, my gosh. You know, we're really doing something good here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, I just didn't know that people didn't have access to fresh, you know, fruits and vegetables like that. Mm-hmm. I just wow, mm-hmm. wow. And it just really touched my heart. You yeah, know, to read that letter. Yeah, uh, and and to know that we're helping, mm-hmm. you know, feed some families. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: So, um, as I mentioned at the start of the show, you yourself have a couple of ways that you interact with folks via social media. <laughs> One of them is you have a blog, yes, ma'am. and the other is you are um hosting this show the family plot so can you tell us a little bit about the things that you're blogging about and what the family plot what i could learn if i watch the show sure sure so my blog is called chris's corner Mm -hmm. Uh, and what i do is uh, every month
1: i get you know i get a lot of questions you know Mm -hmm. from homeowners that call so if there are repeat questions right. then guess what that becomes the topic for Christmas Corner <laughs> uh, because this month is all about squash bugs uh. Uh, I get a chance in my job to actually uh, you know drive around to the different community gardens just kind of peek in and see what people are doing and everybody has questions about squash bugs so mm-hmm. yeah every month Christmas Corner is usually you know about something in the garden mm-hmm. and it's something that I'm getting repeat questions about Got it. so you can find that on the website uh, as far as the family plot goes uh, the family plot has been fun uh, this is I think we've been doing it's not 10 years. Oh, believe wow. It. Uh, we're having a good time with that. Uh, there's two guests for every show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those guests usually talk about, you know, their specialty, you know, whether it's perennials, annuals, mm-hmm. trees. Uh, and then we have another guest, of course, that will talk about their area of, of you know, specialty. And then from there, we actually have a Q&A. Okay. So we have people that send us in questions and we get questions from all over the world believe it or wow. not. Wow. Uh, so we actually answer those questions there on air and we just have a good time with it. You mm-hmm. know? So it, it's been real good. It's been a blessing to a lot of people, uh, to a lot of uh, new gardeners out there. Mm-hmm. And a lot of our videos, uh, of course, you know, once the show airs goes to our YouTube channel. Okay, so that's great. They, so people can go back right. and look
0: if they missed it. If they missed it, they can go okay. back and catch it on YouTube. So okay. it's been
1: an absolute joy. We have so much fun with that. And yeah, we just talking about gardening y'all you know
0: we're just having a good time you know almost like people actually listening to you know listen to that and watch that yeah Yeah. so you mentioned squash bugs so what is your relationship with bugs you know some people are scared of bugs Ah. they're creeped out by bugs are do bugs play an important role in the process of a seed actually becoming a plant so here's the thing about you know a, a lot
1: of your bugs right you have beneficial, you know, insects. Right. Then you have those bad pests. Right. right. So, of course, you know, with those beneficials, we need them because a lot of your beneficials actually help to pollinate mm-hmm. your plants. Right. So how are you going to get those fruit and vegetables without the honeybee? Right. right. One, right. Every, one out of every three bites of food that you eat, you owe to a honeybee. Wow. Right? So yeah, there's your good beneficial bugs like the honeybee, for example. Mm-hmm. Then you have those bad pests like your aphids, squash bugs, yeah. and your scales. Here's my whole thing about that. Yeah, they have to be here, right? Because guess what they're trying to do? They're trying to reproduce. They're trying to produce more babies for the next generation. <laughs> right. Yes, they're they're eating your valuable plants, your desirable <laughs> plants. But there's a reason, there's a purpose behind it because they're trying to produce more offspring for the next generation. Got it. Now you have some beneficial plants that will actually take care, you know, of those bad pests uh, that are mm-hmm. out there for you. But yeah. I mean, they have to be here, just like
0: everything else, right? Right. So that was going to lead me to the next thing was sort of, I know I have friends who've talked about deer eating their or squirrels, or different, (laughs) you know, (laughs) four-legged animals eating their plants, too, and they get so frustrated with the deer.
1: Well, My my thing about the deer sticks, because I hear a lot of questions about deer, just plant enough. Yeah. (laughs) Plant enough so for the So the deer can deer, have a meal so and can you can have, have a theirs. meal. You plant enough for the squirrels <laughs> so they can have theirs. You plant enough for the squash bugs so they can have theirs. Guess what? Everybody wants to eat. That's right. True. Whether you're two legged or four legged, right? Everybody wants to eat. So I just tell folks to plant enough. Yeah. Plant enough. Yeah. that's enough to go around, right?
0: There is enough <laughs> to go around. I think you know that probably could preach, right? right. <laughs>
1: that's enough to go around. It <laughs> probably could preach. Right. Share. We have to learn to share. That's
0: all. We have to learn to share. Yeah. So there are a lot of great um, principles that you learn in gardening: sharing and generosity, mm-hmm. and patience, patience, and hard yeah. work, mm-hmm. and dedication. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really sounds a lot like a spiritual discipline.
1: It, it definitely does. It def- it, there's, there's nothing like being out in the garden. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it, it's closeness to God, if you will, you know, for me. And I usually joke and tell people, you know, and they joke, you know, I have friends that's like, oh, you're a horticulturist? What is that? I mean,
0: how do right. you get really involved
1: with that? And I always tell them this. I said, you know, the first job that man ever had was that of a horticulturist. Right. Adam, Adam and Eve Eve. had to take care of the Garden of Eden. So that's I was like, so right. that was the first profession known to man.
0: Wow. To be a
1: horticulturist or a gardener. Yes.
0: Yeah. So that's a great way to think so about like, it. OK. All right. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> I never really thought about that being yeah. their first job. It's the first job. That's the first, first job. occupation. Right. Yeah. That's probably better than what they a lot of people refer to as the oldest <laughs> occupation. Right. It's a yeah, right. A little different, right? <laughs> a little different. A little different. We won't go into that. There are probably children <laughs> listening, but I like to think of gardening <laughs> right. as the oldest occupation. <laughs> right. That that that's a better <laughs> vision. So Dr. Cooper, um, you know, we've mentioned a little bit about you know COVID. We've had such a past year and a half mm. of, you know, this Incredible racial reckoning, um, the great disparities between the haves and the have-nots, our political system, which almost seems broken beyond repair. There's a lot to be discouraged about. But I wonder, what is it that gives you a sense of hope, a sense of um, possibility about the future?
1: That's a a good question. A couple of things for me. Uh, my, my passion I want to matter to people yeah. you know what I mean mm-hmm. um, when I'm out and, and I do presentations um, I always uh, you know say a little prayer first I always thank God mm-hmm. for the opportunity to be able to do this because there are those who came before me who did not have the opportunity that I have today mm-hmm. uh, some of my heroes in the agricultural field so I thank them I thank God for the opportunity I want to share my passion with others right mm-hmm. I want to let them know that hey yeah I do this too at home you know I don't always get it right. Mm-hmm. I enjoy it I want you to enjoy it as well I mean look around you right mm-hmm. so again something else about COVID I got so many calls from beginner gardeners yes true. people were at home gardeners right. because people were at home with the yeah. stay-at-home mandates right right so I would ask those folks so why do you want to get involved with gardening now here's what they would tell me well, It's a good activity for me and my kids yeah it's a good way to get back to the earth right it's mm-hmm. a good way to get back period yeah the serenity right the peacefulness growing your own fruits and vegetables that way you don't have to worry about you know what's been sprayed on it right you know I know it's good and certified right because it comes out of my garden it tastes better and then I want to just beautify my my landscape right I want Mm -hmm. my place to look good so those are some of the things uh, some of the answers that folks gave Mm -hmm. to me I read a research paper a couple of months back there are 20 million new gardeners in the gardening category because of COVID, because of COVID, 20 wow. million new but get this the average age of those new gardeners 30. so here comes the next generation of gardeners that's mm. wh- how can you not like that yeah right? so i want to be able to reach out to them matter to them to say hey mm. welcome help us okay we talked about those food deserts mm-hmm. yeah let's get out there let's let's get in these communities let's form these community garden coalitions Right. Let's educate these kids about gardening. Mm-hmm. I talk to a lot of kids. Right. When you ask kids where do your fruits and vegetables come from, what do you think your answers are? Walmart, Grocery store. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I had a yeah, kid yeah. tell me a truck. I had a kid yeah. tell me a can. You yeah. know. I mean, just think about that for a second. So
0: they don't even know that uh, these things come from the ground. Come from
1: the ground. They don't even. Some of the kids don't even know that. We had some mm. inner city kids come out. You know, to the Agri Center um, for a field trip. And uh, this was a few years back and we had uh, we have a wheel where we actually plant like potatoes mm-hmm. uh, and some other vegetables. So we told the kids, yeah, dig those potatoes up. It's like, don't see grow on the ground. Yes. So I was like, stop for a second. How many of y'all like McDonald's? All the kids. Y'all like French fries. Right. Guess what that is. It's French fries. It's a potato. Yes, it grows on the ground. Wow. See, yeah, kids don't... Some of the kids don't even know that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we have to do a better job educating our kids about, you know, yeah. where your fruits and vegetables come from. So, again, just... Uh, you know, that, that's that's what it's all about for me. You know, yeah. watching my grandfather, you know, do this. My parents are, you know, huge gardeners. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom still calls me and I was like, uh, <laughs> Mom, why don't you call your local <laughs> extension agent in Jackson, Mississippi? Why would
0: she do that? Yeah, yeah, she she's like, you. Yeah, shut up,
1: boy. Yeah, That's a question <laughs> for me. Uh, so, yeah, they, they, they have a garden at home. Yeah. Uh, I have a lot of friends now that have gardens. Yeah. And just to be able to share my knowledge uh, with them, mm-hmm. to encourage them, just means a lot to me. I just want to matter. Yeah. just want to matter i think that's my purpose of being here on earth yeah, yeah. just want to give back that which was mm-hmm. given to me
0: that's all. yeah i tell you if anybody can find a passion regardless of what it is yeah. it adds so much to life and it sounds ah, like you fair. truly have found your passion i found it I, yeah I, I, I think i found it yeah <laughs> that's great i think i
1: found it yeah
0: well thank you so much I for being with us today okay. and um again for our listeners, um, if you want to see the Family Plot show, sounds like with WKNO or um, what YouTube channel would have that? Uh, so it'd be the Family Plot.
1: It's okay, the so if they channel. just Google right. the
0: Family Plot, right, that just will Google come up.
1: We do have a website. It's familyplotgarden.com. Okay. Right, and there you can go to our YouTube channel. From that website? From that website. Okay, sure great,
0: great. Yeah. We are truly grateful for this beautiful creation that God has given us, and uh, as Dr. Cooper said, there's more than enough for everybody if we are willing to share. So since he is in the studio with us, we thought that for this next section on Stump the Bishop, we would (laughs) ask him if there are any questions that he's ever been curious to ask a bishop. (laughs) I'm going to
1: ask you this. So how did you know that you wanted to be You know, a bishop. Oh, wow. How did you get
0: started? Mm -hmm. How did I get started? So I was raised in the church. I don't have any memories of a time without God. Church attendance was mandatory in my household (laughs) when I was growing up in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. And um, it took me a while to discover my passion. Um, I was very active in the church as a layperson and thought that's, you know, what I'm going to do. Uh, So I started a career in public policy, uh, and then I went to law school, and I was a practicing attorney, but for about a 12-year period, a number of different people in different congregations said to me, Phoebe, have you ever considered ordination, or it's so clear to us that God is calling you to be a priest and pastor? And I didn't see it, (laughs) so I said no for a long time. Um, I have always had a high regard for clergy and understand the really high expectations when mm. you <laughs> seek to proclaim the gospel. Mm-hmm. And I looked at my own personal tools and my toolkit and mm. what I would need to be an excellent pastor and priest, and I didn't have a lot of those tools. And I wasn't sure how, how I could get a lot of those tools. So I guess um, the the short answer is other people saw things in me, wow that I didn't see in myself. And so finally, um, I said, all right, I'm gonna you know, dip my toe in the water. I don't know how <laughs> this thing is gonna go. So I left a legal practice and went to seminary at the age of 41 wow. and completely started over in a wow. new field in my 40s. So like mm-hmm. you, I am a lifelong learner, uh, but I have to say, that God was absolutely right. Like this is my passion it's, and I'm great. It's better late than never. Right, right, it's never right. too late to never start late. over. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Oh, wow.
1: Okay. My second question is this, what would you like to see different for Memphis?
0: Oh, wow. That's a great question. I have been in Memphis for about two and a half years now. Okay. And okay. Um, And of course the last year and a half, it's oh. been COVID, right? Oh. Memphis has a lot of potential to me. There are a lot of good things happening in Memphis. And yet, um, some of the disparities that we talked about earlier in the conversation between the really, really poor people who live in Memphis and Shelby County and those of us who are blessed to have access to a lot of resources Mm -hmm. I wish there were a way to bridge that gap a little better. And I understand that Memphis is known as one of the most generous cities in the country when it comes to philanthropy. So we have sort of given a lot of money to address these problems, which suggests to me that maybe money isn't the only thing that's needed. Perhaps, there is a change of attitude, a change of perspective. Mm. You know, Jesus was all about transformed lives. Every single person Jesus met, he pushed them past their comfort zone Mm. to say, you may have drawn a box around who you think is acceptable or righteous or okay, and I'm gonna push you to move those margins out, right? Mm. Because you're excluding people who are created in God's image. So I wonder about what would a process of a transformation of perspective be in Shelby County? And from my vantage point, what role might the faith communities, because there's a church on every corner in Memphis, right? There's so many churches, mosques, synagogues, temples, and yet there's such suffering. So I think as a, a leader in the faith community, right, I have to acknowledge that the faith community perhaps hasn't always done what it could do. Maybe we haven't done enough. Right, right. But that, that's, what, that's what's on my heart.
1: Well, that was good, that was good.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean you've been in Memphis and Shelby County a lot longer than I wow. have. Like over the time that you've been here, have you seen things improve are things about the same like
1: it almost feels like it's about the same to me and i've been in memphis now golly almost close to 20 years yeah Um, yeah yeah it seemed you know at one point i thought it was getting better yeah but then it just kind of levels off to me yeah it just goes back to where it was you know my wife is from memphis Mm -hmm. you know she's born and raised here and Mm -hmm. she talks about yeah she you know wish Memphis could be a a little better yeah has always been yeah and since I've been here I I agree with her yeah Yeah. it's like we get there and then all of a sudden something happens yeah
0: exactly but the thing that gives me hope is the young people yeah I think those of us with gray in our hair (laughs) we're kind of setting our ways at this point right but there are a lot of young folks coming back to Memphis yeah. who may have gone, left to go to school, and then other folks who never even lived in Memphis yeah. who are coming because of, you know, you name it, St. Jude or mm-hmm. FedEx or AutoZone or any of a number of, of uh, employment opportunities. And so how can we harness their energy and their passion and their enthusiasm to help make Memphis a better place so that also means creating space at the table for these young adults to allow them to be active participants in the decision making processes and again those of us who are older <laughs> sometimes we don't want to he- you know sort of see, be, be seen but not be heard sit down and shut up well then I need to change my attitude because right. I can learn from a person of any age well, I think right? that's a
1: good point yeah. Fresh voices is what I always say. Uh, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. I hope We can get there.
0: I do, I too. Think. I mean,
1: like I, could, I could see that. Uh, of course, I look at the, you know, the Memphis Flyer, you know, you have the top 30 under 30 top. forty yes, under 40. Yes. Yes. There's some brilliant folks around here. They're doing some good stuff. You know, that's non-profits right. Profits and things like that. Yep. Yeah. We just need a little bit more of that. Encourage them to keep, you know, keep going.
0: Yeah. I think we would be fine. But yeah, I think part of the reason that I came to Memphis is that I sensed a real possibility and perhaps it's time for us to have an open and honest conversation about some of the painful things in the past not about blaming or beating somebody up but I think we have a lot of unhealed trauma and unhealed wounds that have never been addressed and that's part of what's keeping us stuck.
1: A lot of that history is here, that racial tension. Yeah, it road. is. And we saw a lot of that a couple of years back, mm-hmm. you know, um, golly, you know, with the Black Lives Matter movement yep. and things yep. like that. So.
0: You know, I was really glad that um, the local community came together to raise the funds for this new statute of Ida B. Wells. I have not right. been down to see it yet, yeah, right. but I would imagine there are many people in Memphis who don't even know about her story. Right who don't know that she was run out of here uh, because she had the audacity to publicize the horrific acts of lynching that were taking place where there was no due process or justice system. It's just individuals decided they wanted to kill folks and then you think about how those families have been scarred forever. So to just start the conversation
1: Right. He was so right. I uh, I have an eight year old son. Mason mm-hmm. is his name. And mm-hmm. uh, over the pandemic, you had a little extra time. Yeah. Know, things were closed. Uh, yeah. So after, of course, online church. Yes. Uh, we would always take a ride, you mm-hmm. know, and I took him to the I am a man park. Yes. Uh, just so he can uh, get a sense of the history, get a feel of the history. And right. we talked a little bit about that to him and. And uh, we're going to take him to see the Outer uh, the Outer Wells, yeah. uh, You know, statue and yeah. things like that, because I want him to know a little bit more about his history mm-hmm. and what it means. Um, but yeah, I just, yeah, I just, I just pray we can, you know, just all get together, sit, mm-hmm. let's all sit at the table, and just kind of talk through a lot of this. And you're right. right, you know, I get tired of just finger pointing and things. No, like that. exactly. Let's just talk. Yeah, yeah. We can just talk. Talk and we can just and talk it
0: out. <laughs> my grandmother used to say, Phoebe, you have two ears and one mouth. So maybe you need to listen (laughs) twice as much as you talk. So yes, I think I need to listen um, to help me understand other people's perspective. I need to be willing to be vulnerable enough to share my own story. And then we need to come up with a plan of action and start doing something. Because my sense is that young people are frustrated Mm -hmm. because they don't see any changes happening they might hear conversations, but then what are we going to actually do? So we also have to take it to that That's next right. step.
1: What are we going to do? Yeah, I going to do? You know, yeah, yeah.
0: Be. But I'm hopeful, I'm hopeful about the future. And, um, you know, if I'm willing to listen and to admit that I don't have all the answers, that I'm not always the expert, that I can learn from anybody, that may position me to some things that, Otherwise, I might have missed out on.
1: Right. That's well said. And again, like I mentioned before, I just want to do my part. Yes. Just do my part and, you know, encourage, you know, the younger generation. Uh, some of them might look up to me and say, hey, I could do that as well. Exactly. You know, so I'm looking for the next Chris Cooper that's out there, you know, <laughs> to talk about gardening and things like that. So, yeah, if I can just help one person along the way, then I'm satisfied. I'm good.
0: Excellent. I'm good. Well, this has been a great conversation. Thank you so much for being part of us today. Um, So, for our listening audience, uh, we want to remind you that you can actually hear Faithfully Memphis. Uh, on all of the platforms where you hear your other podcasts, including Apple Music and Spotify. So we want to encourage you to listen to us on those platforms and also uh, to follow us and to let us know how we're doing. We're always open for input about new guests or topics or things that we can cover. So until next Thursday morning, my brothers and sisters, stay safe and stay positive.